Well, it's good to be back with you all today. Last Sunday we were in Almogordo, New Mexico, where Mindy's cousin um, had gotten married, I don't know, this spring. And um, they had a, a family ceremony because her cousin has two little girls about our girl's age and her husband has two teenage, or three teenage daughters. And so they had kind of a family joining ceremony to celebrate the marriage and the beginning of their family together. And so we were able to be a part of that. I understand Lynette Meyer did good, and so I'm grateful to her for filling in and coming and sharing with you all um, her, her talents and her gifts, and, and I'm grateful for that. And so um, it's good to be back with you all today. This morning we're reading from chapter 29 of the story, which it's God's journey. The Bible is a continuing story of God's people. Well, there's a couple of passages of scripture that I'm going to be reading from the story. One of them actually from the story. The second one will actually be from the Bible in the New Testament um, because the story just paraphrases a portion of, of something that I wanted to read a little more. The chapter today is on Paul's mission, which starts on page 407 and ends on page, I think, 437 at the end. And so today I'm going to be reading first from page 427. For those of you that have a pew Bible and you'd like to follow along, this comes from the 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. This is Paul writing. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you were saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received I passed on to you, as a first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas and then to the Twelve. After that, He appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then He appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, He appeared to me also, as to one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles, and do not even deserve to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And, by his, gra- and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it is I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believed. The second passage of scripture I wanted to read to you comes from the book of Acts, and it's chapter 17, verses 16 through um, 28. Paul's in, in Athens. He's been run out of Thessalonica, Thessalonia, and he's gone to Athens. And so it says, while Paul waited for them in Athens, he was deeply distressed to find that the city was flooded with idols. He began to interact with the Jews and Gentile, Gentile God worshippers in the synagogue. He also addressed whoever happened to be there in the marketplace each day. Certain Epicurean and Stoic philosophers engaged him in discussion too. Some said, what an amateur. What's he trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be a proclaimer of foreign gods. They said this because he was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. They took him into custody and brought him to the council on Mars Hill. What is this new teaching? Can we learn what you are talking about? 
You've told us some strange things and we want to know what they mean. They said this because all Athenians, as well as the foreigners who live in Athens, used to spend their time doing nothing but talking about or listening to the newest thing. Paul stood up in the middle of the council on Mars Hill and said, People of Athens, I see that you are very religious in every way. As I was walking through town and carefully observing your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. What you worship is unknown, I now proclaim to you. God who made the world and everything in it is Lord of heaven and earth. He doesn't live in temples made with human hands, nor is God served by human hands as though he needed something, since he is the one who gives life, breath, and everything else. From one person God created every human nation to live on the whole earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their lands. God made the nations so they would seek him, perhaps even reach out to him and find him. In fact, God isn't far away from any of us. In God we live, move, and exist. As some of your own poets said, we are his offspring. Therefore, as God's offspring, we have no need to imagine that the divine being is like a gold, silver, or stone image made by human skill and thought. God overlooks ignorance of these things in times past, but now directs everyone everywhere to change their hearts and lives. This is because God has set a day when he intends to judge the world justly by a man he has appointed. God has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. When they heard about the resurrection from the dead, some began to ridicule Paul. However, others said, we'll hear from you again. After that, Paul left the council. Some people joined him and became to believe, including Dionysius, a member of the council on Mars Hill, a woman named Damaris, and several others. He was a witness of the stoning of Stephen. He was one of the Pharisees, the group within the community of Israel that that worked to explain what it meant to follow and to be a faithful Jew. He made his job to track down the early Christians and believers of Jesus Christ, to stop the message, to destroy the church, as the book of Acts puts it. That was until he met a roadblock of the Lord. Today we're talking a little bit about the ministry of Paul, which really should be covered over, I don't know, ten weeks on its own, because Paul did so much in the early church. And he did so many things in taking the gospel beyond the reach of Jerusalem and the people there in Israel and out into the world. If you look at the map, Paul you know, is the one that took much of the Christian message to all of these different cities that we read about in the New Testament. Cities of Ephesus and Thessalonica, Athens, Antioch, different places that you can see and think of. But it all began with Paul being a Pharisee. It all began with Paul being someone like we read earlier who didn't even deserve to be called an apostle because of the things that he had done and because of the ways that he had chosen to pursue the early church. But yet he met a roadblock on the way to Damascus. A portion of the scripture that we read in last week's chapter, but a portion that we remember today because it set the stage for who Paul was and for the ministry that he then carried out and shared with the world. 
See, Saul was headed to Damascus to deal with a group of Christians that had gone there to share a message of Jesus Christ. They were there, they were proclaiming this resurrection message. They were offering forgiveness of sin to those who were listening. And so Paul was sent to stop it. He was sent to track down those followers of Jesus who had gone there. But today he met a roadblock of lightning, a roadblock that was a bright light in the road, a roadblock that was so forceful that he threw him to the ground and he was blinded. And he heard a voice. And it was Jesus asking him why he was persecuting him. Why was he pursuing the followers of Jesus with such tenacity, with such zeal? Why was he leaving Jerusalem? Why was he willing to walk roughly 135 miles north from Jerusalem to Damascus. You know, if an average person can walk, what, 15 miles a day, 10 to 15 miles a day? Paul took 10 days, at least, to go north to pursue this this group of, of followers of Jesus. That's zeal, isn't it? That's tenacity. He didn't ride a camel or anything. He walked. But he was willing to go. Yet Jesus met him on the road. And Jesus said that with the same tenacity and zeal that you are pursuing me, I'm going to give you a new mission that I want you to pursue with an even greater tenacity and an even greater zeal. Instead of pursuing this message of me and of the resurrection and of the forgiveness of sins that I offer, I want you to pursue and to proclaim a message of me to the world, especially those that are outside the Jewish faith. Especially to those that have not heard of God and to those who are living in other places. And so Paul was sent to proclaim a message of life, of forgiveness, of love. To proclaim a message that was centered on the foundation of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Which is like that passage of scripture that we just read from the book of Acts. Or from the, yeah, the book of Acts. A message that was centered on the resurrection of Jesus See, Jesus came to Paul there on that road and Paul had to choose what his response was going to be. Fortunately, his response was proclaiming a message of Christ. Fortunately, his response was an affirmation to the call that God had placed on his eye so that he could take this message of Christ to really all of the known earth in those times. Oh, Aaron, I just pointed at the map, but that's okay. Paul was commissioned by God to to literally take this great commission that we read about in Matthew 28. And he was told to take it to all the ends of the earth. To go forth and make disciples in my name, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. And Paul was to go. To leave Jerusalem, to leave the early church, to leave that early Christian community. And to go into the world. And to encounter people that had never heard of Jesus Christ. They had not heard of his trial, of his crucifixion. They had not heard of his message that he had proclaimed. And so Paul went. And he went to the urban centers throughout the world. Communities with large populations, with roads for travel, with ports for trade. Some of the communities he went to were Athens and Lystra, Thessalonia, Ephesus, Corinth, Antioch. If you read the book of Acts from front to back, 
You read many of these different cities and you read many of the different encounters that Paul had in each of these places. As he went to proclaim this message, as he went to offer hope to the people that did not have hope. As he went to meet them in the place where they were at. In the place where they were at. So that they could hear and receive this message that came to them from God. And that was the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so if we read the book of Acts, and every time that Paul enters into a city or community, we read about how Paul first went to the synagogue to teach and to communicate this message of life to those people who already worshipped the God of Israel. In the synagogue, he would present who Jesus was, and then he would use the Old Testament to show how Jesus was the Messiah, and is the Messiah, and how he was the one who had been sent by God to redeem the world. If there were those that received the message with open ears, often the book of Acts writes that that they were inviting Paul back, and Paul would go back for, for multiple Sabbath days to share with them more, as he would teach them more about who Jesus was. And about how the Holy Spirit was working in the church. But then there were those that were threatened. The New Testament says jealous. Of the message that Paul was sharing. And of the ways that others were hearing it. And so they would kick Paul out of the synagogue. Paul got kicked out of church. That's kind of funny. But you know I think that's the first thing that we can receive. From our reading of the story this past week, because it was a lot of material, if you read it, or if you're going to. It was a lot of pages, it was a lot of summarizing of all of these different letters in the book of Acts and Paul's ministry. But I think the first thing that we can see from the story this past week is that an encounter with Jesus often encounter, it causes division in the church. You know, and I'm not saying that, 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 well, I think what I'm saying is whenever Paul brought This message of Jesus to these early synagogues that were not prepared to hear it. Well, it caused some to want to hear more and some to not hear more. And yet God's spirit was there and was present. And it helped the church to grow. It helped the church to believe who they were and to discover who they needed to be. The New Testament frequently references that that Paul and the other apostles were stoned, or beaten, or flogged, or imprisoned, or threatened. See, it's because this message of Jesus Christ, this response to the Great Commission can cause division in the lives of the community, and in the lives of those who seek to follow. See, but in the early church, well, in the church today, we've been given the opportunity to pray. And to read the letters that Paul wrote to the early church about division. And to see that he says to remain faithful. To remain in prayer. To remain grounded in the one who gave us life and gives us life. So that when we encounter Jesus in new ways. In ways that cause us to to look outward or to be threat. Or kind of just out of who we are. Out of our comfort zones. Well if we're centered in faith. That's just what it is, is. It causes us to be a little uncomfortable. But we're still grounded in Christ. We're still grounded in the one who gives us life and gives us the opportunity to do the things that we need to do and that we have to do as his people. See, I think the early church, the early synagogues, they weren't prepared for this message, were they? 
They weren't prepared to have this man come from, from who knows where. In fact, some of them probably had never even heard of him until they had this man sitting in the synagogue. And when people said, would someone else like to share? Paul said, I would. And whoever was convening that day, I think, probably immediately regretted it. Because he was sharing a message of life and of hope. A message that said we have to move forward. A message of resurrection. A message of forgiveness. The second thing that I learned from this reading from the story of the chapter this week is the way Paul chose to share his message and his ministry with the audience that he was talking to. You know, if you look and if we read in the different portions of Scripture, his message was always central. It was always focused on the resurrection of Jesus Christ and on the hope and life that he offers us as his followers. I think we can say that's the consistent message that Paul shared no matter where he was at and no matter what community he was engaging, is that it was about the resurrection of Jesus and about the life and forgiveness that God offers us through him. But see, Paul crafted his message depending on who he was talking to. In the synagogues, he talked language of the Old Testament and about the Mosaic Law and about the covenant that God had made and about Abraham and how how God had chosen to bless the people of Israel through his offspring and how that offspring was Jesus Christ and of how the people of Israel were to receive Jesus so that they could bless the world. But see, then he got kicked out of the synagogues And he began ministering to those outside the Jewish faith, to those that were Gentiles. And so instead of of presenting them stories of the Old Testament, because they don't know about Moses, and they didn't know about Joshua, and they didn't know about Ruth and Boaz or any of those Old Testament stories. So it really kind of defeated the purpose for Paul to preach those types of stories to them. See, but instead he, he presented them a message of God who pointed the eyes of those that listened to them to God. Paul used words to to form a community of truth and forgiveness. Paul used words that, that came from God through Christ. He didn't talk about circumcision or the Passover. He didn't communicate with them in the same ways that he communicated with those in the synagogue. But he offered them words of life, didn't he? In fact, as we read this morning in the book of Acts, chapter 15, which is just a truly interesting and amazing passage of Scripture if you think about it. Because Paul's in the community of Athens, in the city of Athens. You know, Athens, they're they're Greek. They're, They're specialized in reason and in thinking and in philosophy. And see, Paul didn't go to them and say, hey, everything you're doing is wrong. Everything you're worshipping, everything you're talking about, everything you're thinking. He didn't do that, did he? Because that wouldn't have worked. But what he did do is he went in and he said, when he was questioned, about who he was talking about, how who he was proclaiming. He said, you know, I've been walking around and I saw this thing that said, unknown God. And he tailored his message to the people so that they would see that indeed the person that they had been worshipping was the right one. They just didn't know who it was. And they just didn't know what he was offering to them. See, Paul tailored his message to the people that he was gathered there, that were gathered there with him. 
to the people that wanted and were listening and were willing to think about the things that he was offering them. To the Athenians, he said, I want to tell you about a God who's been present at the creation and who's present in your life today. I want to tell you about a God who has been there no matter what you've been doing, who's been with you, who's been before you, who's been behind you. Because he's a God who loves you. And I want to tell you something more because he's an unknown God to you as he's a God who's offered you life. And he's offered you forgiveness. And he's offered you hope that comes through his son, Jesus Christ. See, Paul offered the same message. But he just used different words. Whether it was a message of the Old Testament, of fulfillment of the law to those in the synagogue, or whether it was a message of, of, well, of just resurrection and Jesus that he offered to those that were Gentiles. He gave the message to those in the way that he best felt they would be able to receive it. So that when they heard, so that when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, God could work in and through them in a way well, in a way that, that only God could do. See, and I'm convinced that that's how God continues to work in our lives and will continue to work in the future. Is by us being attuned to the Holy Spirit so that when we engage others in this message of faith and hope, we can offer them Christ. We can offer them forgiveness. We can offer them the resurrected Christ. But we can do it in the way that's appropriate to them. To those that know the Old Testament as an example, I mean, we could offer that Jesus is the fulfillment of the law and the thing that they've been looking for, just as Paul did. But to those that don't know it, well, we can offer them resurrection and hope and life and faith and meaning and purpose because God gives us all those things. You know, Paul said in one of his letters that he is who he needs to be depending on who he's talking to. I'm forgetting it, and I should have looked it up. But basically he was saying he was who he needed to be, depending on the audience that he was engaged with. If he needed to be a Pharisee that was talking the law, he was a Pharisee that taught the law. If he needed to be a philosopher like the Athenians that offered a reasoned approach that allowed them to engage the message of Jesus Christ with their minds so that it could connect with their hearts, he did that. And if he needed to share the message of hope of Christ, he did it to all people. So that they could hear, so that they could receive, and so that their lives could be changed as his was. See, I pray today that in our own study of Scripture and in our own growth in our faith, that we can be willing, as Paul was, to offer the grace and love of Jesus Christ, maybe in ways at times that are uncomfortable to us. But they're in ways that help others to see ways that help them hear, and ways that help their lives to become transformed so that as they encounter Jesus, so that as they receive the forgiveness that comes from God, and so that as they are filled with the Holy Spirit, God can work in and through their lives just as He's worked in your life and He continues to work through mine. Amen.